Good evening from the bowels of the Horror Press estate, and welcome to a new episode of the Horror Press Podcast, a podcast brought to you by HorrorPress.com. My name is James Michael, and I'm the curator of all things Horror Press. As always, this show aims to bring you the latest horror news you may have missed or overlooked, a place to quickly cover the happenings of the horror world, whether that's studio announcements, movie releases, or box office numbers, as well as some light genre discussion. So today we're joined by Ryan Miller, Brandon Paris, and Mike Ahern from Monster Makeup. You may know them from Death Drop Gorgeous or the newly released Saint Drogo. Uh, welcome, guys. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. How are you guys doing today? We're pretty good. We just got back from Cinema Q uh, this past weekend, and I think we're slowly acclimating back to <laughs> real life. How did that go? <laughs> Oh, it was it was it was amazing. It was really really cool. Um, that what what they have over there is really special. It's they have this theater called the the C Theater. Um, and Denver Film has all these little sub series, and Cinema Q is like the queer film festival. Um, and they just they just turn it into an event like that. Um, like before the movies, they have drag performances, they have parties there, that an ice cream social. They like just really they make it like a, a really cool just uh, interactive event. Um, everyone that runs the event is just super super friendly and awesome. It's just like a very like. Very chill vibe all the way around in, in Denver and Colorado. Um, we all kind of want to move there. <laughs> but um, yeah, any, any like DIY filmmakers or queer filmmakers, I highly recommend submitting to Cinema Q if you're looking for a, for like a real deal festival. How was uh, St. Drogo received over there? It was good. Um, it, was, it, was, it was good, I, th- I think, I hope. <laughs> it's like a pretty bleak movie, so at the end it was hard to like kind of gauge people. But for the Q&A afterwards, um, I guess Keith had told us um, there was more people there than usual. Um, then the following morning, we did a, a, a panel about queer, the history of queer horror and, and or not, well, modern day queer horror, too. Um, and it was like a Saturday morning at 11 a.m. There's about like like 40 to 50 people there and only like four of them hadn't seen the movie. So it was good enough for people to come back and hear us <laughs> chat early on a Saturday. Well, I guess early well, for, for normal people, it's not really. But <laughs> it's crazy because I, I feel like I've been following you guys for a while now. Um Ever since I got to watch Death Drop Gorgeous, I've been a super fan of your movies. Thank you. And um, seeing the progression from Death Drop Gorgeous to Saint Drogo, um, it's it's awesome to see the growth. But also, like it's it's cool to see that you guys have kept that like punk spirit alive in those movies. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I think uh, wanted to do something different. Like we three of us love folk horror, um, and we wanted to sort of try our hand at it. Something that was like a little less just campy and fun and gory and maybe something spooky, something that's a little more unsettling um, and still, you know, full of like our own experiences and sort of social commentary that we're interested in. Uh, So yeah, we, uh, I think we also took a little more seriously from the get go. Uh, Death Drop was kind of always just like a fun project until we realized like, Hey, this thing has legs and it may, it may do better than we ever imagined. Um, but then with St. Drogo, I think we had now had a bar we had to meet and potentially hopefully surpass. And so we sort of like were planning ahead and thinking seriously about, you know, our shots and our scenes and all that sort of stuff um, as we went into it. Yes. Yeah, I think what's fun about like our filmmaking is I, th- I feel like I was talking to this uh, to Chris, our, our other collaborator, Chris Delpy, who played Broadway Brian and Death Drop Gorgeous. And um, I was we were driving home from Salem. And I do think that like, our approach to filmmaking is is pretty unique. Um, it's very grassroots. It's very community involved, and I think because of that, it lends itself to like a DIY type of situation. Um, and I think when we involve our community, they have stake in the project too. So it sort of like feels like I don't know, like it's almost everybody's movie in some ways, and people are are excited to see the final product and. Um, I, I value that. I think that I think that's like a, a unique approach. Um, we understand that filmmaking is like inherently super collaborative. In many ways, it definitely like takes a village, especially in like the streamer world, where you know promotion very much relies on word of mouth and communities picking them up and you know passing it along and making sure people hear about these movies. Otherwise, they'll get overlooked. And I really do think like Death Drop Gorgeous and Saint Drogo are community favorites um people love these movies i'm sure they'll fall in love with saint drogo as much as they have uh death drop gorgeous and um i i'm definitely excited for like everyone to get to see saint drogo eventually and um it's in very special cool company considering um 
someone fainted at one of the premieres considering not many movies can claim that like you're in company with the exorcist terrifier what exactly happens when that happens in the theater like do you guys call the ambulance like yeah i've never been in that situation so it was during our um we we organized a cast and crew screening <clears throat> so it was in a uh this place called the black box theater which is in downtown providence and uh towards and I, I won't give away any spoilers for listeners or anything but yeah towards the climax of the movie our friend uh brent was um sitting like kind of actually in front of me i was standing behind him in the back just watching and he just started leaning and i wasn't sure like what he was doing and then he just kept going and he fell between the chairs and onto the floor and uh we had to pause the movie i ran outside and called 911 and i was actually talking to someone um outside while and then uh, a few other friends of ours that were there came out and told me that he was up and he was fine and he was like lucid and so i told them the the 911 operator i was like hey like i'm being told that he's fine we thought it was a seizure but it wasn't a seizure he like fainted um and thankfully, uh, he we he was brought to the hospital by a friend of ours, but he he's okay and, and alive. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was supposed to be at that screening. Um, yeah, you that texted weekend, me. Yeah. I think, but I didn't get to make it, and I missed out. So, <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah. we'll have another one too. Uh, so, <laughs> another fainting, or yeah, another fainting. <laughs> So are either of you fans of The Exorcist? Yes. Yeah, The Exorcist was, it's one of the first movies that I remember actively terrifying me. Like I, you know, you have like flashbulb memory of when you like, when like certain things happen. Like we all remember where we were for like 9-11. That's called like flashbulb memory. Um, I remember it was like around, I don't know if it was Halloween time, but it was around Halloween and it was daytime. And I saw it on like the guide on the TV and I put it on and I was so fucking terrified afterwards that I just like stayed in the kitchen with my mom and she was like cooking and I didn't want to go and be anywhere else. It was very, I didn't want to go into a bedroom. Like I was like very scared of like laying down again. (laughs) (laughs) So like I had kind of the opposite reaction. I remember when they did the re-release around the 2000s or so, I went to Catholic school my whole life. So everyone was terrified of this movie I got to watch it like I snuck into the theater and got to see it and I thought it was hilarious (laughs) mind you after I watched it I tried to read the book and the book terrified me and to this day I have not finished it I got up to the part where she like pees the carpet and I couldn't finish it but the movie I thought was hilarious (laughs) so as fans like did you see the trailer do you have any thoughts on it Oh, you mean like the, the new one coming out? The new one, yeah. My biggest gripe is um, I just feel like there's this this surge of nostalgia porn coming out, and which is fine. I mean, like we all love our Halloweens and Ninja Turtles and Barbies and stuff, and it's fine. And it's like, um, but I feel like these movies are just created to make money. Like I just feel like that trailer just looks like a scary little girl with long hair in her face, and like it's just I don't know. I think it looks like we've seen it before, and it's kind of. There's just so many amazing filmmakers out there like doing new and innovative and cool shit. I just wish they're getting the same kind of like funding and attention that these like it's, it's a fucking trilogy too, and I'm like, oh god. So that means there's not, it's not gonna be a standalone. There's like two more coming out. It's just oh god, it's like tiring. <laughs> it's crazy that this movie is supposed to take place after the first one and the sequels to the original no longer are supposed to be canon. Mm. Yeah, that's a choice. <laughs> I mean, the only the only positive I feel is that it got its rating and it got rated R, which is kind of promising considering it's a Blumhouse movie. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that is like that is a good sign. I watched it recently, um, and you know, uh, I think what was so great about the original is that, and I think a lot of when horror is done well, it's because like the fear is of the time and so for the original exorcist is a lot about psychiatry and like the unknowns of psychiatry and medicine at at the time and i i'm curious to see if this one sort of incorporates things about our current fears or if it's just going to be like like brandon was kind of saying cash grabby and it's just like i don't know 
creepy girl makeup, you know, upside down cross on forehead. Hospital gowns. Hospital gowns. Um, I will probably go see it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but I'm not. I don't know that I. I'm gonna go like premiere day. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'll definitely be seeing it. I'll probably even enjoy it for the most part. Mm-hmm. But it's probably not gonna make like my top ten of the year for sure. <laughs> for sure. It will be fun. It'll probably be fun, but we'll so. be good. <laughs> yeah. As long exactly. as I'm scared a little bit i would like to be i love it's so hard for me i don't know if it's the same with you guys being fans of horror it i'm like never scared anymore during a movie and when i do get scared i find it very um i find it like i don't know i think that's like effective like uh the horror in the high desert movies like did a really did a really good job of scaring me particularly the climax of the first one and so that's why I, w- I went away like so interested with that movie because it was so it, like ac- I was actually actively, you know, uh, covering my eyes almost. So I just I want to be scared. You know what I mean? I want to I want to feel fear. Um, so I hope it does that for me. I agree as a plug for that film. Uh, I watched it at home uh, when I was visiting my parents and I the same thing. Like I've seen so many movies. I'm just like, whatever, like nothing really scares me. Even like jump scares. It's rare. Um, and this didn't have jump scares and it was like the ending. I literally was like laying in bed doing like this, like I'm not even kidding, like peeking through my eyes and I had to like pause it for a second and like take a break because <laughs> it was just the ending. It's like, it's so, it's so effective. It's so fucking creepy. Um, and I think it is rare that you get something like that. So, yeah. I think as horror fans, we get so desensitized and we, we have like this internal formula that we see and we're constantly like calculating, is this going to be a jump scare? What's going to happen next? And we kind of ruin it for ourselves. Um, I'm the dummy, though, that I go all in. I try. I get scared. And I have fun. And I enjoy it. And I love being terrified. You know, I do sometimes give in to the whole, like, I'm going to call the jump scare before it comes and, mm. um, and ruin it for myself. But I, I'm a scaredy cat. And um, I, I pride myself on that because I watched horror movies to be scared. So scare me yeah. all right so the last voyage of the demeanor um i really thought this movie had potential to do very well and um considering the box office how terribly it did i think it opened up with 6.5 million it may have done a little bit better um, they've pulled it from international release already. Um, oh, wow. Some people are blaming that on Lionsgate buying um, the company releasing it in the UK. Hmm. Some people are saying it's just too expensive at this point to do a worldwide release and it's probably going to get a streaming release. Um, have you guys seen The Last Voyage of the Demeter or are you fans of Dracula? Yeah, big fan of Dracula. We, we did see the film. Um... Did you like it? Um, it has some really awesome shots in it. Yeah, it's I, a very weird premise considering we kind of know what happens already, mm. based off of Dracula. Yeah, there's just some really big. I don't want to ruin like spoilers. There's some plot holes at the end that were really confusing. Um, like all I will, all I can say, all I will say is that the thing it can fly. If you've seen the film, it's like I. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I, I don't want to spoil it. Did it give you the Dracula that you wanted and needed? No. I, I Did it feel like, more of a creature feature than, like, a Dracula movie? It, yeah, like, I feel like, you know, this. It, is it, I've read that it's part of, like, this Universal Monsters comeback, or, like, Invisible Man was, like, the first one, and they're, like, uh, Guillermo del Toro's doing shape Frankenstein. Well, he was going to do Creature of the Black Lagoon, they turn into yeah. Shape of Water, yeah. and now he's doing Frankenstein. This is supposed to be the Dracula one. But I didn't really, like you said, didn't really feel like Dracula. And um, I think the trailers kind of made it look like a bad action film, not like a creepy, like, Hammer House film. Like, they were kind of, they're, they're saying it is, but... Yeah, there, there were a couple of, like, really good shots that were creepy. Yeah. Like, moments that I wish they would have, like, expanded and made that the whole movie. Um, but I think that, like, this, there were just certain elements, like, the score was distracting for me, like, the tone of the film. Like, it was a lot of, like, you know opera you know type music and the choral music and like you know i wanted maybe something i would hope like a little darker a little more unsettling um also there's a lot of moments in it which a lot of films do this nowadays where it's like 
the conversations, you know, especially with like the, the child and everything that like verge towards like kind of like hallmarky, like I don't know. It's like it's like this weird mix of like you got this like potential for this super creepy thing, but then you're having a lot of like here's some lessons that we're gonna learn and like teach you. And I just kind of like my preference is to have something just like all out like gross and fucked up and like creepy. And so it's like it have little bits of those moments, but then on a whole, it just kept like bringing me out of that that feeling. They should have voodoo cure in it. I think that's the problem. <laughs> you need to be in that film. Did the bat Dracula form like look good or? Um, when it, we what? were supposed to cover it on the website, and I opted not to. Oh. So <laughs> I haven't seen it. No one at Horror Press has seen it either. There were like certain shots with it that looked cool, but it just like as a whole, like I know like the people were priding themselves on the practical effects in that film. It didn't really look like practical effect. Like some of the gore did a little bit, but like it looked very CGI, and like mm. I don't know, it, it kind of took me out of it. Like, I, I don't know, like, when I'm thinking Hammer House, I mean, like, dimly lit, creepy, a lot of brooding tension. Um, it just it just kind of didn't ever feel intense, really. Yeah. And people were just making, like, I'm all for, like, in a horror film, there's those moments you just go along for the ride, you take it with a grain of salt, you're like, no one would fucking do that. I give you one or two of those per film. This one, though, it was like, there were so many things, I'm like, why why are they doing this? Who would do this? Like, a lot of, I don't know, it's, it's I, I, I'm curious, like, if someone proofread that script first, just look for the plot holes, it's kind of a mess. Oh no! I didn't see it yet either, and I probably will just wait till it's free somewhere. Um, I was really excited too. But I, yeah, I love a good vamp. I don't know. I'm, I'm a sucker for vampire. I love Dracula or vampire movies. I usually, especially when it's done like in a way that's new and innovative, or even if you're like rehashing a Dracula story or whatever. I don't know. Uh, like things like Let the Right One In uh only lovers left alive like i love those two movies uh those two vampire movies so i was like kind of looking forward to it um but maybe i'll just wait till it's somewhere we were with people that enjoyed it too right? the movies are it's subjective it's you know it's for everybody yeah. i think like even like the netflix series they did like a few years ago the, the first two episodes of that the dracula one i thought were pretty- i like that show yeah it, like a it got a little crazy towards the end but yeah. I love that killer nun. Mm-hmm. I I loved most of that, and I would be totally game to like have a movie series like that. I agree. I think the guy that played uh, Dracula did great, and the, the second episode is the Demeter on that on that series. Um, the first episode was my favorite with the the um what do you call it the nunnery? Yeah. <laughs> the, the you know the cov- cov- covenant. Wait, covenant convent. convent. That's the word. <laughs> While we're on the topic of Universal monsters. I kind of really want to talk to you guys because as monster makeup, you guys do a lot of practical effects stuff, and um, I think it ties in nicely with creature features. I would really like to hear your opinions. I don't know if you guys are even into the Universal Monsters. How is it that they keep kind of like flopping? Like, what is going on with Universal that they can't get their Dark Universe off the ground? It started with Dracula Untold, which wasn't very well received the only time we really did get a decently received universal monster movie was invisible man and i think it was just because it was a a small tight story that didn't have this crazy budget and um i loved that movie i thought it was great i would love to see that you know brought to the other ones and it could be done look at guillermo del toro and the shape of water um i think we even got a wolfman movie um 2010 around there um oh yeah, we did with um, is it Benicio del Toro and yeah. uh, Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, and I feel like we're on the verge of a, a werewolf renaissance almost. Um, well, the vampires remake. and werewolves are are getting hot again. What is going on with them? Yeah, well, the Halloween remake is coming out this year too, or next year. I think with yeah, I th- I don't know. I mean, I can't. I don't know that this is the reason at all. But I think like I really like Invisible Man, and mm-hmm. I think that it's the way in which it was. Well, the way in which it was, it's filmed but also I think like marketed and everything, it's not so much presented as like this action, you know, like superhero or whatever, like feature film. It was like felt very like grounded and like creepy. It felt like, you know, relatable characters and this like style of it was maybe not what you'd initially expect from just like a universal monster, like creature feature type thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think with like Last Voyage of the Demeter, it does, like you said, it feels a little bit more like, actiony maybe a little bit more creature feature type of thing where 
if it had like gone a different route, I don't know if that would have appealed to people more um, in terms of marketing and, and, you know, the trailer, but yeah, I, I, I don't know like why not all of them are successful, but that's just like one thought I have in terms of like what my own preferences are. There's definitely room for them. It, yeah. They just need to do it well. And I don't know with, with this Marvelification, mm-hmm. DCification, you know, having these crazy ass $400 million budgets, I don't know if it serves the monsters very well, especially with all the CG that we have. The monsters either got to be kind of hidden or look really good. I think like with Demeter too, like even the, like the posters, everything looked like it was from like 2015. It was like the weird CGI look in like the poster, even the poster at the mall we saw in the theater didn't, it didn't look appealing. The trailer doesn't look appealing. It looks dated and like, not in like a a good way. And like when CGI was first kind of getting its bearings in horror movies. And it's just kind of like, I think they could have, like you said, like less money might have made that better if they were forced to do like more practical effects and more like um, get Doug Jones in there to play the vampire. Or is that, is that his name? The guy that does all the the monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know. It's just it just misses mark. Um, if you're gonna give me a monster, I've got to believe that the monster's real. Hmm, yeah, and that's like the only the only movies that get a pass on that creature feature wise are shark movies. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, I need to believe in the monster. Yeah. There was something about seeing Dracula for the last voyage of the Demeter. Like, I feel like they showed it all like very early on in the trailers. Like, and maybe that was also part of like the disinterest for me was like, I kind of the reveal of the monster, I think is really important in getting there. Um, so maybe it was just, like, they were showing too much too soon, but I was like thinking about that. Cause I was also thinking about, it's like still a period piece, right? Whereas Invisible Man was like updated for like nowadays. And I wonder if it's just starting at that point, like I'm trying to understand if this story can be poignant in today's climate or if it has to be a period piece, I think might be, I think might be an element to some of the things, but also like saving the monster reveal for, I don't know, the climax of the movie, I think. Plus like he's very... I don't, I don't know if you'll get the reference, but very like Man Bat from Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yeah. And I know like that's a, definitely like a Dracula thing, but the way he looked in the trailers was not it for me. Yeah. No, no. I also think that, I mean, I think The Invisible Man was also successful, not only because it was poignant for, uh, it was like, you know, Me Too movement and um, Elizabeth Moss is a great actress. I think like having a lead that already an established name especially with like um the handmaid's tale and stuff i think also drew people she's like even though she's a scientologist is a very great actress i feel like scientology comes up in every single one of my episodes (laughs) all the time oh no and i'm i can talk for hours about scientology (laughs) hours hours um so i wanted to run down a quick list of potential well these were actually gonna happen okay we were originally going to get Tom Cruise to play Van Helsing in a Van Helsing movie, which I find to be crazy. But at the last minute, they moved him to the Mummy movie that came out a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Um, I can't see that Tom Cruise as Van Helsing. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I, do it. <laughs> I weirdly, um, I weirdly don't know why, like that really bad uh, Van Helsing movie with Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Do you remember, like, the media blitz they did with that when they were doing, like, in-theater cameras, like, showing everyone's reactions on MTV? Yeah. I, I don't remember that. No. I, <sighs> yeah. So weird. I don't it's know so why I liked it, because it's, like, not good, but... They did the same for Paranormal Activity, but it makes sense for Paranormal Activity. Why yeah. would they do that for Van Helsing? Yeah, I, I didn't hate it. It was it was fun. It was, like, dumb fun. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I have to rewatch that movie. Uh, maybe, maybe like it's a good time now in like a bad way. Yeah, or like if you're like have a bunch of friends over or something. <laughs> I mean, I remember there was like a video game tie-in too. Like back then, every movie had to have a video game tie-in, and oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I I feel like it's gonna be bad though if I were to rewatch that. <laughs> I do think this is a good pick, uh, Russell Crowe as Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I think that would that would be pretty decent. They're making one right now too, right? Or they just wrapped one? Who's playing Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde now? I thought maybe. Oh, I feel like they just finished wrapping one, but I don't. Is it Nicholas Cage? (laughs) (laughs) 
that would work too maybe i would be okay with that i would be okay with that and like I an mean, over-the-top camp way i don't think they would do it considering he played dracula and i'm pretty sure renfield is supposed to be in like their cinematic universe <laughs> i think um, that was another one did you see renfield yeah i surprisingly didn't hate it i thought i was gonna despise it it's like it's corny and it's it's like definitely a comedy it's like it's, it's like a gory comedy um it, it's fun I'm definitely gonna have to check it out because it looked interesting when I watched when I saw the trailer for it. Um, so the next pick, Dwayne the Rock Johnson as Wolfman. No, oh, I mean, the yeah. other alternative to that was Ryan Gosling. Kind of Ryan Gosling, I don't hate for that role. I mean, is it Ryan Gosling as the human and then Dwayne the Rock Johnson as the werewolf? Oh God! <laughs> wow, <laughs> That'd be a big transformation. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I mean. I think this comes back to what I was saying about Elizabeth Moss. It's like, you got to put someone in there that's going to like act. <laughs> and I don't think that <laughs> The Rock is going to be like, that makes it an action movie. Whereas like, I actually think Ryan Gosling's a very, a very talented actor. And that would be like a different layer. It would that, feel like a drama. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he's jacked. So it like would be like nice to look at. Um, but Dwayne The Rock Johnson's going to make it like, skyscraper three you know what i mean or whatever those movies were god remember rampage i do not <laughs> i blacked those all out because they all just seem like the same movie wasn't there something going on twitter where like his costume was the same for like four movies like four different movies it i mean was... i believe it yeah i definitely believe it like didn't he do like a jungle cruise movie for disney yes. too and uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, I didn't hate him in um, Black Adam. I thought he he was pretty cool in that. I didn't watch that, but I remember hearing it. Was, it was all right. It, yeah. For a DC movie, I thought it was pretty decent. Um, okay. Angelina Jolie or Gal Gadot as the Bride of Frankenstein? Gal Gadot can't act. See, this is, this is the problem. <laughs> like, this is... So you Can act. she sing? Oh, God. Yeah, imagine all the people. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... <laughs> That's a Universal Monster movie right there. <laughs> that was their casting. Oh. Yeah, I mean, Angela I mean, Jolie. I can I see Angelina Jolie. Yeah. yeah, I can see her doing it. I the, like the, I like her. I think the problem, I think she's one of like the last like superstars to my personal problem, which doesn't mean this is everybody's problem, is that like when I see Angelina Jolie in a movie, it's Angelina Jolie. Like it's not, it's not whatever a, yeah. a character she's playing, which isn't like her fault. It's just like, that's who she, I don't know. There's the, her name and presence alone. Like she was in that um, Eternals movie, and like everyone was like being a, an Eternal. I don't really know the. the I mean, Angelina Jolie is an Eternal, right? Exactly. <laughs> True. Fair. But it was just like, oh, that's Angelina Jolie. Like being Angelina Jolie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think getting like not an unknown, but someone that's a little less like a recognizable face maybe might be effective yeah i mean I, I would be okay with her but um i definitely agree i have the same issue her lady gaga bradley cooper they're just always themselves mm-hmm. yeah yes you can throw in brad pitt leonardo DiCaprio, samuel jackson yeah. <laughs> christian bale every time i see them i know what i'm getting <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Like, yeah i mean even people that like i like like robert de niro like people i don't know just people who've been around for a long time when you just see them you're like oh, a star power in this film, and I know what kind of character I'm going to get, even if they do a great job. But I, like we talked about this too, where it's like we'll watch movies, and like a movie that is an indie film that I don't recognize anyone has a better chance at like bringing me into their world and like making me suspend disbelief and you know like really being successful. I think sometimes when you get too big, it just, um, it's like, oh, like, let's see what they do. And it's going to be nice, but I'm not like enthralled in the same way that I am with a film where like those characters, those actors are literally those characters for me because I don't know them. You know? Would you think people would be interested in a legacy sequel of The Mummy with Brandon Fraser and Rachel Rice? Weiss. No. No? <laughs> Visceral response. Um, yeah. I, mean, I don't know why. I mean, I remember when a couple months ago when Brandon had like this big explosion over the whale. Um, I think he's a cool guy. I mean, the whale itself, very cringe. Mm. I mean, I don't know, but this all falls back onto the whole nostalgia thing. Nostalgia cash grab of having a mummy with both of them in it again. Yeah. I, I didn't see the whale, uh, but I did like that. He 
was sort of having a, a, a resurgence. Um, and I love Rachel Wise. Uh, I, but yeah, I think like you just said, it goes back to like this nostalgia thing. And it's like, I don't know if you're going to do a mummy, like give me some other ancient Egyptian stuff with other, with new people. I don't know. Not, yeah. My visceral response is no. <laughs> With all the creature feature talk and all that, you have a creature feature movie on the way yourselves. Yes. I don't know exactly how much you're into or down to talk about Queen of the Rats, but I'm assuming there's a rat queen. It's a rat monster. Surprisingly not. No? <laughs> no. So is is there a monster in, in Queen of the Rats? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we're, we're pretty comfy talking about it. Uh, we won't necessarily uh, go into, like, super detail, but there is going to be a uh, very cosmic horror-type creature uh, in the film uh, that we're very excited for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cool that you're going this cosmic direction considering Providence, Rhode Island, and Lovecraft and all mm-hmm. that. Like, did you take any inspiration from any of his stories? Definitely. I think um, what's what's cool about Queen of the Rats, it's probably going to be like the most Providence, Rhode Island movie ever made, I think. Um, and it's three, it's three themes that it's working with um, is uh, in the 90s and early thousands, there was this really crazy and thriving warehouse and art scene in Providence where... Uh, artists just lived in these like abandoned mills and warehouses and there was crazy performances and shows uh music ran from like noise rock uh to other stuff and it was a wild time and kind of like a golden era of of the arts and culture scene in providence um we also have we've interwoven the history of uh the mafia which has a huge presence in providence and um and is we're in charge of many things either behind the scenes also not behind the scenes we had a a famous mayor named buddy cienci who uh famously kidnapped someone and put a cigarette out on their face <laughs> and he was our mayor <laughs> how long ago was that this one nine 80s or 90s yeah wow. yeah there's wow. a there's a few really good podcasts uh i think it's called i think there's one called crime town and I think the first season, that's one I listen to. There's probably more, but uh, the first season is about um, Buddy Cienci and the crime, the, the, the mafia in Providence, which had a, it's, and probably still to this day in some ways that we don't necessarily know about like what's happened behind the scenes, but had like Providence like under their, under their control. Um, and then uh, the third theme we're working with is Cosmic Horror. And like you said, Lovecraft's obviously from here a uh, piece of shit person but wrote some insane stories that uh, definitely i think inspired at least the idea of this monster being indescribable and sort of a horror that you as he, like lovecraft would say a horror you'd like uh, seeing it is terrifying uh and like unknowing so those are the things where we've put in a cauldron to make queen of the rats that sounds really cool and we're very I'm excited. really, really excited considering like some of the special effects that I saw in St. Drogo. I'm really hoping to get something scary as fuck. In my mind, I keep thinking of like The Void or one of those type movies, um, but it sounds awesome. Yeah. Really interesting. We're super excited. Do you excited. have a, a date that you're planning on starting or have you already? Or? We, we're, I'm working on some, um, some grants to maybe start so that we have uh you know a proof of concept or some sort of like mini preview of it to hopefully garner more financing and backers for it um as you know like death drop and saint drogo were all crowdsourced and i'm sure we'll do some aspect of that but we would really like to uh have more of a budget to work with for queen of the rats given especially this monster so we're hoping to start soon, though. Uh, we've already kind of started brainstorming like locations and also people we want to work with or who's going to play who uh, and the like. So it, we're definitely in talks uh, right now, but 
I haven't started shooting anything yet. Nice. Uh, I'm definitely super interested. Sounds awesome. The top two highest grossing films for the year. I, I think you already know this, but um, we're looking at Insidious and Megan, both Blumhouse movies. With probably Five Nights at Freddy's going to be replacing one of those when that comes out in October. Mm. Three Blumhouse movies. Do we think this is good or bad? <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> I can't. I've tried. I've been. I'm very patient. I've tried. I just. I. I, I can maybe count on one hand the amount of Blumhouse films I like. It's, there's. There's something about like. It's like the fast food of horror for me. Like, I don't know. I, I've tried to get through a lot of these fucking movies. I can't. I mean, people are like, fine. Like, if people are having fun with them, that is totally okay. It, it's just not for me. It's a very big mixed bag for Blumhouse online. Um, I basically have to live on Twitter. And I think for, like, the normies, they love Blumhouse stuff. But then for, like, the hardcore horror Twitter people, um, I see a lot of people bitching about Blumhouse. And, and specifically, I think Jason is his name. I, I think it, it it's very much like the mainstreamification of horror that people hate about it. And I can't fault him too much because I think it, it's cool that he's making horror. Um, more horror is always good. But also it's like, when I see him tweeting things like, I can get Robert Englund to, to reprise his role as Freddy Krueger, basically implying that everyone has a price and eventually he'll be able to get him to do it. I, it feels gross. Mm, it's gross. Like, like he has way too much money um, and he's just also, throwing it around. And he's I know- also playing golf and buddy buddies with what's-his-face that um, the, uh, one of the like big like producer guys um, starts with a Z – Everyone's all mad right now for the, the writers, the writer strike. He gave a speech at a uh, Boston University and he got booed off the stage for not paying his writers. And him and Jason Blumhouse are like playing golf and buddy buddying right now with all this going on. And it just goes to show you that these people do not give a fuck about the craft, they don't give a fuck about the art. It's easy money. Um, the, the, they make these movies for overseas markets. So they make like ten times the, the sales. That's why you watch these things and like these modern day art films could be PG thirteen. There's no sex. The gore is so off, safe and off screen. I mean, there's a couple exceptions, but for the most part, like, I'll go see these radar films, and it's like, why is this rated R? Like, I've seen PG-13 movies that are grosser than this, so it's just like, it just sucks. And I think it takes the spotlight off of, like, more, like, people actually are putting the quality and content into film. Like, it just sucks. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's I definitely agree with you. It, it's, it feels, again, going with that theme of cash grabby. Um, you know, let's just get it out there. Megan was supposed to be rated R, but immediately they, they turned it down to PG-13 just to get more people in those seats. Mm. Um, was Megan Blumhouse? Yes. Oh, I actually liked Megan, but um, yeah, so I guess there's a couple that I like but, from Blumhouse. But the funny thing is, the thing we liked about <laughs> Megan is not the fact that it was horror. It was True, the fact that yeah. it wasn't horror. It was, it was like funny. comedy. It yeah. was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I laughed, like not scary at all. Like... You know, yeah, I could, was, even if there were no kills, I still would have enjoyed a lot of it. It was just funny. But like yeah. then, like they had like the unrated one, and all my friends watched it. And they said that it's like there's nothing to it, so it's just confusing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 a little concerning to me that it's almost like they have a monopoly on horror, at least mainstream horror at this point. Considering yeah. like when we grew up in the '90s, the the studios that were pumping things out versus what is pumping things out now. Mm-hmm. And they're um and all the like streaming horror on Amazon, what they call that series, that's Blumhouse adjacent too. So it's like now they've infiltrated like the streaming services too. Um, yeah, it's just gross. I think like AI will be, will be making Blumhouse movies soon enough because movies are almost like algorithms are making them. Like it's like you know when the jump scares are coming. It's just there's a, there's a certain beat to all those films. That it's like when you've seen like a few of them, you start noticing a pattern. It's like it's just frustrating. Like that we saw the, the Nun is Blumhouse, right? The whole Conjuring yeah. universe, like. We saw the nun at the drive-in. It was fun, but it's like they literally ripped off the ending of Demon Knight, and like, oh, like there's so many like Demon Knight esque parts of this, and it's like, like this is clearly ripping shit. I don't know. I, I can go on. <laughs> the crazy thing is that kids nowadays, like, they don't know those references. They don't know any better. They don't. They don't get it because they've never seen any of these movies. Yeah. So to them, it's fresh. It's new. It's great. It's awesome. 
but in reality, different. yeah. And like it's it's too bad because like there's movies that like I, a lot of horror movies when I was a teenager that were like classics that are still like watched to this day. I mean, there's just like so many good ones that came out and like. Do these movies have rewatchability? I'm really curious, like, in 10 or 20 years, like, are people going to be stocking up on, like, Conjuring 1 through 18 and, like, Insidious 24? Like, I've, I've, I've given them an honest, fair chance, and, like, I just, they're so dull. Like, nothing happens. It's, like, so predictable. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird thing. <laughs> it's crazy to think that they're basically making a Conjuring universe at this point. Yeah. Uh, based yeah. off of, like, the Warrens and all that. Yeah, I was. I remember I was like looking or scrolling through HBO Max or whatever with my boyfriend, and we came across The Conjuring, and I was like, "That's the year it came out in." Like, I, it was so long ago. It was like two thousand and uh, I don't have it on me, but I was just surprised. I was like, "Jesus, we've been like." It just feels like it was yesterday, but I think it's because we've been inundated with like a Conjuring movie every year almost <laughs> that I didn't realize how long they've sort of had that monopoly. Um, I didn't see the new the Red Door Insidious one yet. I'll probably maybe watch it for like a dumb fun or whatever. I think that's like where I'm at, at least with Blumhouse things. Is like I probably won't like. I don't think it will have quality, and I don't think it's going to have like. Uh, I don't think it's going to inspire me. But if I just want to watch something stupid and dumb, maybe while I'm doing something else around the house, then <laughs> that seems to be usually when I throw it on. Well, if you want to see little girls in nightgowns with hair dangling in their face, then boy, do you have a universe for you. <laughs> it's just yeah. the same fucking tropes and like jump scares over and over and over. Like a cat jumps out of a cabinet. Some some little girls in the corner of the room. It's like and then a loud bang happens. Someone grabs your shoulder and it's actually just your friend. It's just oh my god. Like <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird because it's like we find ourselves at this place where we have so many with the universe. We have, like, a multiverse of, like, bad movies um, and all these sequels and stuff. But it's just, like, I don't know. It runs contrary to, like, what my intuition for what makes a good film is. Like, when you think back to, like, your childhood, you think back to, like, your teen years, like, the movies that stick with you, that you, like, return to, that you love, that you watch. At least for me, it's, like, these movies that had these, like, incredibly unique stories um, that, like, I mean, look at, like, Beetlejuice or something, where it's, like, you have these characters in this whole world and everything that's like so cool and so unique uh you have like hellraiser and stuff like that where it's like you're not gonna find that somewhere else and it's like those are the things that like we can still do that like there's an infinity of stories out there like studios and writers um and i'm particularly looking at studios because of the people with money behind them but it's like we can come up with all these unique novel stories you know we can throw money at those things and I just feel like 50% of what we're wasting time on is throwing it at these, like, sequels and these, like, universes. And it's just, like, can we not? Like, give me another classic. Like, give me something that's, like, blows my fucking mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you have the money. Like, we've done what we did, and we're by no means perfect, but we did it with, like, 20000 bucks. If you have, like, $50 million, like, blow my fucking mind. Like, I expect it. <laughs> I think, like, so... in the 80s and stuff, too, like, a lot of those movies are not good. Like, trust me, they're not good. But they have the rewatchability because of, like, the practical effects are really fun to go and revisit. Like, these don't even have that. Like, I'm just curious, like... Yeah, they they lack character, for sure. Like, Puppet Master. I would rather watch a Puppet Master than a Conjuring movie. Oh, hell yeah. Like, so much more fun. Hell yeah. So do you think uh, we're due for, like, another Blumhouse Presents, like, Paranormal Activity 12? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't made another one after Next of Kin or whatever came out on Paramount. Oh, yeah, that was, like, a straight-to-Paramount thing. Yeah. I, I watched that. Uh, uh, <laughs> not good, but like had kernels of ideas that I was like, okay, like I'll come along for this ride for a little bit, but just obviously was not. Even like the even like the first Insidious has some fun scenes. The first Conjuring had some fun scenes, but the movies are again, it's like it's like Mick movies. They just feel like fast food. It's like they're they're, they're totally off. Nothing. Just the characters are unlikable. The I don't know. There's it's no just heart or passion there anymore. Yeah. Just, yeah, I'm not saying you have to like write these amazing characters for a horror film. I mean, look, look at all the Friday the Thirteenth. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not watching these movies for like story arcs half the time of the characters. But like, it is nice to like if you're gonna make like a tense, brooding, haunted house film to at least have some good characters. At least have it totally be on track. Like, there's always this like hokey jokey tone to some of these Blumhouse films that is so like distracting and derails the film for me. Where it's like. Anytime The Conjuring had some tension, they throw in some like slapsticky little moment with the weird detective. Who were the people? I can't remember. The Ghost like, Hunters, right? That was the was Warrens. 
and the tiny Tim shit and Insidious with that demon blasting like tiptoe through the tulips and it, like it's. <laughs> they love that song. They love that song, <laughs> for sure. So, are you guys ready for some trivia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, are we doing? You guys are all on one team, or are you doing separate teams? I do all on one team. Otherwise, <laughs> I'll just bow out now. <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna be him. All right. So, I've never done this before. I don't really have many guests, so um, I thought it'd be fun to have it done with guests. Yeah. All right. So, our first question. Very easy. I'm gonna be really disappointed if you don't get it. What is the name of the summer camp where Friday the 13th place takes place? Right. Who's going first? Yep. Camp Crystal Lake. Ah, good job. Okay, so this one's going to go to Mike. We're going to go back and forth. Oh, so no. it's going to be Ryan and Brandon are on one team. Mike is on another team. Oh my god, I'm going to lose. Okay. <laughs> so Mike, what kind of allergy does Charlie have in Hereditary? A nut allergy. Yeah, you got that right. Okay, I was like, it's okay. not a chocolate allergy, right? It's not. Um, okay. All right. So, Ryan and Brandon, <laughs> who plays Pennywise in 2017's It? I can't. I, this is for Scar. Scar. Um, yeah. Um, this, which one? What's his first name? I don't, I don't know. Actually. Uh. Um. Oh God. Uh. What's his first name? Scars, yeah, I'm trying to think. Of it. I'm so bad. Actors names, names are like my one thing, and also it isn't my favorite. Does <laughs> that count? Because like, if we were playing by Jeopardy rules, if you just say the last name, like Mr. Scars, like who is Scarsgard, they would technically give it to you. But this, this is your game. No, so. we we need the full name. Full name. Not the one in Infinity Pool. It's his brother. Yeah, five seconds. Bill. I have sound effects now. Yeah. All right, so Mike, I know it's a scars guard. <laughs> um, All right, wait, hold uh, on, give me a second. Um, I'm gonna give you ten. Okay. Um, isn't his name like Stellan Scarsgard? No. Oh. <laughs> Do you want a hint? No, don't give me a hint. I'll, I'll only be fair. All right, Bill Scarsgard. I said Bill. You did? I didn't hear Bill. Well, then I said William after you said Bill, because I was like, maybe it's William. All right, so back to Ryan and Brandon. In the ring, how long do people have to live after watching the videotape? Seven, Seven days. days. <laughs> yeah. Seven yep, days. you got that right. <laughs> All right, Mike, who plays Chucky's love interest, Tiffany, in Bride of Chucky? Linnea Quigley. I don't know. <laughs> no. All right. Ryan and Brandon. Jennifer Tilly. Yep. Sorry, I didn't watch Chucky. All right. So, Ryan and Brandon, what year was the first Saw movie released? Oh, God. Um, 2001. I mean, like, what did I see the first Saw movie? I think 2003. I think I was dating my old my first boyfriend then. I yeah, it's either like it it's either like three or four. Four. Two or four. E sure. You lock in two thousand four? Yeah. Yep, you're right. Yeah. What <laughs> Okay. Mike, in which city does Rosemary's baby take place? New York City. Yep. Okay. I was like, okay. San Antonio. (laughs) I'm so glad that remake got shelved. Thank God. Uh, Yeah, don't fuck with it, please. Who plays Norman Bates in 1960s Psycho? Who is this for? It's for you guys. Yeah, Ryan Brown. What's his name? The gay dude. My brain is like fried tonight. Um, Oh my God! What the fuck is his name? 
The actors always get me. It's the only thing I know now. Yeah. Oh, um, shit. Norm- Norman. <laughs> That's the character. He's the gay dude. I can see his face. I can't remember his fucking name, though. Yeah, you passing? Old actor's name. Yeah, I can't remember. All right, Mike? Anthony Perkins. Yeah. Yep, you got it. Whose right, so. um, son, Oz Perkins, did the Gretel Gretel and Hans, Hansel movie, uh, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, and also that other one. What's the other one that was Black really Coat's good? Daughter. Oh, Black Coat's Daughter. That's like one of my favorite modern horrors. That movie is fucking excellent. It's so good. I actually really like Gretel and Hansel, and I feel like everyone kind of just, you know, ignored it because it came out right before the pandemic happened. Oh, like literally right before shutdown. That's a gorgeous movie. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. All right, Mike. Who directed the 2007 remake of Halloween? Um, David Gordon Green. No. Oh, we'll see. Robin, uh, Ryan, and Brandon. Rob Zombie. <laughs> oh, yes. sorry, I didn't. Oh my god, I got the pressure is killing me. I, I don't know if it was 2007's Halloween or Halloween Two that was the highest grossing Labor Day movie for like a decade or Wait, more. Wait, really? Yes. Oh wow. All right, Ryan and Brandon. Who played Frankenstein's monster in Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein? Oh, uh... Oh my god, why did my brain so shut off today? Um... Oh, I forgot what the fuck is his name. Yeah. It's not Christopher Lee, it's not Peter Cushing, it's the other one. <laughs> I'm like brain dead today, what the fuck is his name? Um... What else? He played Hunchback or Aided Family Opera Thing 2. Ugh. Yeah, I can't. I like my. I'm fucking branded today. Are you yeah. passing? Yeah, I cannot remember his fucking name. Alright, Mike? Yeah. Is it Boris Karlov? Yeah. Yep, you got that okay. right. Good job, Mike. Yeah. I only know that because I was in Arsenic and Old Lace in high school. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. All right, so we only got three more left. Uh oh. Wait, so... what's the score? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm very confident. All right, so now it starts to get a little harder, okay? Okay. How many people associated with the Exorcist died during production? This is my question, right? Because they just... Yes. Okay. I'm going to go with... Three... No, this is during production. During so like, production. Oh. No, not afterwards or any of that. During. Two. Damn it. Ryan and Brandon? During production, I want to say... Four. Four. Nine. Nine people died during production. Nine people? Nine. Or was it like... How how extensive are we going there? We watched watched the thing on show. No, I remember. I'm just trying to remember if it was like cast or crew or if it could include like wives of like cast members, you know? I don't know exactly. I know it was a lot. Yeah. And then um, when I Googled it, everyone kept saying nine. It's Ooh. definitely in the Shutter documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did watch yeah, we that. Watched that one I just forgot the number. Yeah, I didn't I thought... think it was that high. Yeah, that's wild. All right, so Ryan and Brandon. In Scream, what is rule number one on Randy's list of rules for surviving a horror movie? Oh, my God. Wait, what is rule number one? Um... Do you do you think you know? I'm so I mean, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not a screen person. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to yeah, remember. I don't um, know. I would just say like something. Obvious. You can take a guess. It's like, pretty like split, universal. Like, like don't split up or something like yeah, that. Yeah, don't. 
doubts one of them, but not the first one. Yeah. Are you passing? I mean, it's, we already got it wrong, I guess. So yeah, we can we can go to Mike. Mike. I don't think I know it either. I was I know this is the last one. Is never say I'll be right back. But I'm gonna. I, yeah, I don't know. Rule number one: Don't have sex. Oh, yeah. it's like car rule number one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, scream, screams not for me. I'm not a, not a scream fan. <laughs> All right. So last question. And this goes to Mike. This one's hard. Who is the only character to appear in to appear in and survive all four Jaws movies? <laughs> um, oh, God, I don't know, Captain Ahab. I, I know this one, but like, I don't, I don't know her name, but the wife, the um, she's not all of them. Kristen Stewart. <laughs> <Michael>. <laughs> Wait, because who's in the fourth one that's from the original? Because the, the mom is in... Uh, oh, is it the son? It's one it's of the sons. The, 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 um, the youngest son. Yeah, so... The fourth. Michael Brody survives all four. He's the little boy. That... Oh. Chief Brody dies off-screen between three and four. And then Michael's brother, Sean, dies in Jaws 4. So (laughs) Michael is the only one to survive. He he was the little boy in Jaws 1 that just, like, misses, gets missed by Jaws. Wait, the mom's in the third one? I thought she was. Which one were you just watching? That's the, we were the fourth one. That's the fourth one? I thought the mom was in that one, too. I guess maybe she's not. With the, um... Toodles' mom. The the 3D one. Yeah, well, maybe not. I'll have to rewatch the third one. I thought yeah. she was. All right, have you guys seen the Meg yet, though? No, I want to watch it. <laughs> I did see Meg two opening weekend. Yeah, how was yeah. it? It's, it's fun. <laughs> okay. I mean, you don't expect anything out of that. So. No, oh yeah, no, I'm not going. I'm not going in expecting cinema. Uh, I just want to get scared. Sharks terrify me. So. I mean, there's more than just megalodons in this one. Yeah, yeah. Makes it exciting. I heard too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) And Jason Statham's always nice on the eyes too. (laughs) All right, so we're basically wrapping things up (laughs) at this point. I'm pretty sure Michael won uh, the trivia, by the way. I think I'm pretty sure, Um, but I I didn't keep count. So there's no scientific data behind. Next time we're keeping count. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Before we say our goodbyes, are there any things that you recommend our listeners that they should check out? Books, magazines, movies, anything? Is there anything you want to plug or shout out? Everyone should keep an eye out for Brandon's book that will be coming out this year. Uh, It's called The White Bishop. It's a much better retelling, reimagining of the Demeter story. Um, Not cool. It's not going to be like a direct one, but um, it's Brandon's super creative, and the thing, uh, the story he he made is really great. It's going to be gross and uh, should be coming out later this year. So I highly recommend that book. Oh, thank you, Mike. <laughs> of course. So it, it's going to be called The White Bishop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'll definitely check it out. Um, How about you guys? And then... Oh, I was just oh. also going to say, um, I've always been um, a Cormac McCarthy fan. He obviously passed this year. And I know people know him for the from The Road, but some of his books are truly terrifying and horrific beyond the road and i just would i just feel like folks more folks should read him he's challenging but um child of god has uh is is very texas chainsaw massacre massacre um which is really great or blood meridian i would uh, recommend as far as books go is, is that the is the blood meridian you're talking about is that the one that's coming out as a movie i think i saw a movie called blood meridian Oh, maybe it is. It that that would be wild because it's about the West and it's about like 
It's that would be a wild movie. Very blood. It would be very very yeah, bloody. I'll have like, to look uh, that up. Ooh, Mike Freeze. Um, if Mike is frozen. Oh, I was like, is yeah. In Letterbox, there's like a little thing that you can see what movies are coming out. I'm, I remember seeing one called Blood Murder. I wonder if it's the same. I'd have to check because um, James Franco tried to film a bunch of his books as movies, and they were just like not no. good. Yeah, so maybe they're like trying to do that. But anyway. God, that's the first time I've heard his name in like ten years. Yeah, he got don't canceled, right? Like that's say it three yeah. times. Oh my god, don't say it three times. Oh, I always have a million recommendations. Yeah. Um, the recommendations list. Um, we we played with Bottoms in um in a cinema queue. Um, Bottoms is a comedy, and it's really fucking funny. It was like laugh out loud funny. Like I'm really really picky with comedy. Um, it's I have very particular sense of humor and like if you're into like strangers with candy or ghost world or um uh but i'm a cheerleader or welcome to dollhouse like um it's like it's all those kind of vibes it's really really fucking funny um i highly recommend it rachel senate is fantastic in it um she's she's just a a powerhouse i I love her um other things i recommend uh alice uh McKay. mckay uh she has a movie called t blockers that's out this year that is really really great it's like a um Campy kind of, uh, it can't be like little, I guess, like a the poignant, sci fi yeah, kind of yeah. like poignant, yeah. like sci fi about um, what's happening in Australia. Like, like, we're at the, a lot of the conservative shit that's happening here is happening in Australia as well. They're having like similar issues with like a lot of anti LGBTQ stuff and just like white supremacists and all that kind of crap. So, this movie kind of tackles um, trans issues and those things too. And she does a great job. It's like very, it's very funny. Um, it, but also like actually kind of sad too. It's like it, it's, it, it's a roller coaster. It's good. Um, Brian I think Paul. she was just at um, Fantasia Film Festival too. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was. Yeah. Um, Brian Pollan is a local filmmaker that has um, recently like got to watch a lot of his movies, and he's just like a splatterpunk filmmaker. His movies are disgusting; they're like pretty wild. Um, but he made, he's been making some horror fantasy. There's one called Cryptic Plasm. Um, I highly recommend if you're into like gross out, crazy horror. Um, it, it's it, Cryptic Plasm is more on the fantasy horror end of things. It's not like not like this slasher like. Um, August Underground kind of snuffy into things that he usually does, so it's been kind of fun to see him do that. We've been watching those movies. The special effects are amazing. Does it all like, himself? Does it it's himself great. in his garage, and it's like I, I'm in awe whenever I see this stuff. That like yeah. things, especially towards the end, like some of the films that just stick. Like things get gross and it's crazy, and there's a bunch of like weird shit and blood, and it's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and prank. What else? Um, I mean, I, I would say like Horror in the High Desert with like Dutch Merrick that we already mentioned. Uh, yeah, yeah. By Dutch Merrick. Um, those are great. Check out those series. He has a third one coming out. Oh, what yeah. was that movie again? Horror in the High Desert. Horror in the High Desert. I definitely have to check that out because you mentioned it earlier and I was like, yeah. I, I need to make a mental note. I want to watch it's that. It's based on a true story, um, but it's like done documentary, like mockumentary style, but very convincing where I had to look up like, wait, is this a real thing or not? Because the actors, even though you don't know they're not anybody would recognize, but they do an amazing job. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. Also, like, and I always have to mention this too. A lot of like really like found footage, awesome like Asian found footage movies come out came out the last couple of years. Like the Medium and the Incant- and Incantation, I thought were both fantastic. Like, I think um, I think Medium is from Thailand. I think Incantation is South Korean. Um, they're both found footage, and they're t- they're actually pretty creepy and terrifying too. I put Incantation up there with movies that are actually kind of scary. Um, stick with it. It's a long one, um, but it is it is fucking fantastic. It is so good. Um, kind of if you've seen Curse of Narai from Japan, it's another found footage kind of thing. It's it's kind of in that vein, but I think it's a little bit um a little bit better. Um, but if you're looking for a wild ride, those are great too. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about Incantation, so it's it's good. definitely worth checking out. So um, before we sign off, um, where can everyone find you? Monster Makeup is um across the board um from twitter or x whatever threads blue sky instagram facebook uh so if you just search monster makeup make up one word uh we got a little lady demon with her tongue sticking out that's kind of our um our logo right that logo now is so good yeah uh chris delpy who's one of the monster makeup crew uh designed it himself uh and it's really she's she's we love her um and if you go from there, you'll find our other movie pages, St. Drogo uh, or Death Drop Gorgeous. Uh, my my name is different every every single one. So if you just find those pages, you'll find me probably retweeting something. Great. And can we expect to see St. Drogo appearing at any other 
film festivals anytime soon. We're hoping so. Yeah, yeah, we're hoping so. Nothing concrete yet. Uh, We will be at Soho Horror Fest in London, which is in uh, November. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. Uh, And then hoping for some other news soon. We'll we'll be posting anytime we get in on on the socials. Um, And then like Brandon said, we might like try to like, uh, do a little mini tour on our own. Um, sometimes uh, you gotta make the fest yourself. Uh, so we were, we might like reach out to uh, like networking people we know in other cities and try to book some things uh, ourselves uh, in theaters uh, across the country. So fingers crossed. Um, and then if anyone wants to watch Death Drop Gorgeous, our first film, uh, like the john waters drag queen slasher uh, that's on shutter it's also on Tubi. it's basically mostly everywhere but those are the two like probably easiest ways to access it definitely check it out dust drop gorgeous is a great time and if saint drogo was playing by you definitely go check that out too thank you all right well it was nice having you guys uh, i yeah. hope to see you again yeah and i definitely hope to uh watch saint drogo in a theater next time i see it yeah. not on a computer screen because <laughs> yeah. there is one scene that has to be seen on the big screen. Like, mm. I really want to see it. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it, it was that was what was great about Cinema Q this past weekend. They just have a beautiful theater and the surround sound. The, our score was done by Gem Club, and uh, it's very encompassing with the with the five point one surround sound. So yeah, if you uh, if it's playing anywhere near you, definitely see it in the theater. All right. Well, it was great having you guys. Yeah. And, yeah um, That wraps up episode 9 of our podcast. It's been a nightmare. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LLC, as well as on TikTok at HorrorPress. We also have a growing Facebook page and group, so be sure to find us there as well. Don't be afraid to reach out and let us know what you think on social media, and be sure to leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. We look forward to seeing you soon for the next episode of the HorrorPress podcast.